Hello and welcome to the first episode of Shamrock Foods Kitchen Conversations, where we'll talk to Shamrock partners just like you about how they approach the hospitality business, stay on top of trends, and manage a successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Piven, business solutions consultant with Shamrock Foods. And today's special guest is John Haas, co-founder, company chef, and president of Matucci's Restaurants in New Mexico. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because he has a great philosophy when it comes to the importance of culture and bringing the spirit of service to his guests. John has spent 24 years in full service restaurants with 16 years as an executive chef. He believes strongly in practical and efficient operations and innovation. And as a result, he and his operating partners have grown Matucci's in seven years from three people to a 250 person team uh, and three New Mexico locations. He believes that businesses that won't change won't last. That has proven to be especially true in 2020. We invite you to participate in the conversation by commenting below. Any comments we're unable to respond to, we will uh, happily answer those immediately after the broadcast. So with that, uh, let's get John in here. Let's get started. Good afternoon, John. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you today? I'm awesome. Cool. We might have a bit of a delay. We have a bit of a distance between us, but that's okay. So um, real quick, we've already gone through your bio. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got into the restaurant business, but more importantly, why you got into the restaurant business. Yeah, well, it, you know, it kind of, uh, I stumbled across it, I guess, you know, it, it, the best way to say it is I, uh, I had a family connection that was uh, friends with an owner of a sports bar in uh, Ames, Iowa, where I grew up. And it was just, uh, just off the Iowa State campus. And uh, it's name, it was named Wallabies. And uh, it was a great place to get started, but really it was, uh, I was a high school kid. I was, you know, 15 and uh, there was a, you know, you're working in an environment with a bunch of college kids and, uh, and college servers and you're, you know, it's a pretty fun environment for high school kids. So I, uh, I kind of, you know, that was, that was alluring at that age. It was a crazy environment, you know, it fit my energy, you know, pretty well. Um, so that's, you know, that's where I got my start. Um, I would say the first real introduction to, to serious food was uh, when I moved to Iowa City after high school and uh, was going to school up there and I got into a place called Atlas uh, World Grill that uh, was the former sous chef of Commander's Palace in New Orleans opened. And okay. um, he was he was very, very trained, uh, very classically trained. And uh, and he was also really innovative. And I, I just really got caught up in his imagination and creativity. And, and I would say that's where things started to really uh, build momentum for me in my career. Well, that's great. I can really appreciate kind of that wanting to belong to the tribe and I think that that's a really important mm -hmm. message for restaurants everywhere to celebrate when they're trying to hire new talent is not just what the employee could do for our brand, right? But what the brand could do for our employee and inviting us to the tribe. And that's how I got into the business too. I met my wife working at a bar, so um, you're in good company. So tell us about Matucci's, the brand and how it got its start. Yeah, certainly. So it was uh, just over seven years ago, actually. Uh, July 21st of 13 is when we opened um, our first location. And um, it was uh, it had been in the works for about a year. Uh, the uh, A couple uh, that uh, really had the idea of, of starting a restaurant here, uh, Jeff Spiegel, Katie Gardner, uh, moved here from New York City. And um, 
they had uh, retired and moved to uh, New Mexico from from the restaurant industry in New York. Uh, they had, I think, 12 uh, restaurants throughout New York City and, and the wow, area. Wow, that's a big change of And um, it was. So, you know, they came here to, to uh, I guess, retire, but that didn't last very long. You know, they got, uh, Jeff got a little bored, I think. He's, he's a, he's, he stays pretty busy, uh, his mind and his body. So um, they were looking for a chef, uh, to, you know, a chef partner to open up a restaurant with. And um, we went through, you know, a pretty uh, several month interview process um, and uh, we decided that we're, we'd give it a go. And, you know, I think Jeff said his uh, the hook on me was always that uh, when when he asked me if I wasn't a uh, chef, what I'd be doing. And I, I said I might might be an accountant. And I think that's when he fell in love. So, um, man, it, that's uh, a rare, it, it that's a there, rare combination, know. right? The, the creative chef <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. accountant. And I can appreciate, you know, being in the restaurant business, we're always moving. We're always staying busy. Mm -hmm. um, so let's shift to more recent events. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've shifted strategies or adjusted your business model uh, in just the past few months. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, the whole world changed all of a sudden, right? And our, uh, in our industry more so than the world even probably. Uh, so, you know, we went, we really went into a survival mode instantly. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, we were, we were a full service restaurant on a, um, on a Monday and, uh, on a Tuesday, you know, we were a, uh, we were a to go business, you know, and I mean, we had, yeah. uh, you know, we have, we have three locations across the company. Um, and we've always kind of prided ourselves on being, you know, like the pillars of our company have been chef driven food, you know, very thoughtful service and exceptional value. And, you're taking a lot of those pieces out when you go to a to-go concept immediately, you know? So we, we had to really um, kind of streamline that, you know, and figure out, all right, we have three locations. How do we make them all efficient? How do we make them all profitable? And uh, we had just opened a new location three weeks before dining rooms got shut down here. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a big, yeah, it was a big one. It was 10,000 square feet too. It was our biggest project. Oh, wow. By far. I mean, it literally doubled our size overnight, you know, and three weeks later, it's like gone. <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, we shifted quick uh, or pivoted, you know, is, is the, the, the word that everyone says. Um, so, yeah. you know, we, we immediately we went to survival. We're like, all right, we're doing to go food. Um, we have to go to just salaried people in the building. Uh, we had to furlough um, over 200 people, you know, almost overnight. Um, yeah. And that was that was pretty brutal. Um, I mean, that's, that's a feeling you never forget in your life. Uh, but we did, you know, luckily we were able to, uh, give them some support, help the people get signed up, uh, for unemployment. You know, we held some classes to help them, uh, see how to get signed up and make sure they were taken care of. And we also provided, uh, meals for all of our furloughed employees during the, the time of Man, furlough. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of meals, but you know, we, it was the least we thought we could do. So, um, so it started out survival. And then I think, you know, as we kind of found our feet, uh, we realized what the floor was and we started to build off it. You know, we, I think in my mind, you know, we kind of shifted to like more of a survival mode, you know, it's like, how do we not just get through this, but how do we grow, expand, get better and, and learn how to thrive and, and being handcuffed at the same time. Wow. That's such a cool way of thinking of things, you know, not just, you went from survival to revival. I think that's like an amazing yeah. for anyone that's watching this. Um, and just the way that you, you know, not only 
helped your employees get on unemployment, but fed them, cared about them, and understood them as the most important asset to your brand. And I, I think that speaks volumes to your success. Um, is that how you're going to be stronger coming out of this? Like what's going to kind of stay the same? Yeah. So I think there are a few things. Um, the first one is probably during that time, you know, we, you know, our, our, everyone was doing a different job all of a sudden, right? You got managers that are uh, working as hostesses. Um, you got chefs that are working as cooks and dishwashers, you know, and, and we had no hourly staff. So we, you know, we were all the hourly staff and, and that was it, you know? And, um, so that that changed a lot really quickly, um, you know, and I think we saw the that we saw the job in a different each job that everyone was doing. We saw it in a very different light. Um, I mean, we really saw our whole business in a different light because we're we're seeing it in these uh, in these different situations that we've never seen it before. You know, we're seeing it in in to go only. Then we're seeing it in fifty percent dine in, and then it was only outdoor dining, and then we're seeing it in twenty five percent indoor dining. Um, so, you know, these are all, these are all models you would never put your business through in general. Right. And, and here we are, we're seeing all of these different business models play out in months, you know? So, um, I think there are a lot of ways that you could see your business differently, uh, than, than you ever would have. And you learn more about it whenever you do that. So, um, so that, that, and then also the other one was just, you know, the, uh really building inside the four walls you know a strong focus on what's happening inside the walls and and also on how we improve them and um and you know to me i felt like the whole world stopped in in like one one week you know and um and i didn't feel right. like that meant we stopped that just meant everyone else did and and if you want to me really to really get ahead at anything uh you have to be willing to to go when other people are stopping and and that's that you know it 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 was a crazy time, but there, there's opportunity in all of that. And you just got to find it, you know, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I love that saying that, you know, in, in every difficulty, there is opportunity. And, you know, I think this stuff just makes us stronger. And like we were just talking to, uh, we were just talking about in the broadcast kind of pregame um, was, you know, it's like training at altitude. When you've done it and it's been this hard and you come out of it, you're stronger, better, faster, more efficient. All of these things are only going to help us in the future. Um, is there like maybe one core piece of advice that you would give to our viewers right now that may still be struggling to try and help them succeed or try and help them see the light? Um, you know, I think for me, it, it, a lot of it, I mean, there's probably a couple of things, but I'd say the big one is really that you know, we, all we can really focus on is, is what we can control. You know, I mean, there's so many, so many things right. going on in the world and so, and so many, you know, distractions throughout the world right now that I think, um, we just have to focus on what we can control. And that's, you know, in, in our industry, in our business, inside our four walls, you know, that's the food and the people and, and, and outside of that, there's not a whole lot we can do. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's being diligent on the food, making sure everything is right. It's, it's paying attention to the people, the, the attitude of, of the people, the labor dollars, you know, and and I think if you really just spend all your time and energy on that, um, things have a way of, of, you know, going in the right direction. Um, and, you know, I, I think also our industry changed overnight. So, you know, we we had to also, you know, we all did. And um, right. And people understand that. So, you know, we you, sometimes you have to take you have to change a little bit. You got to take stuff off your menu. Um, 
And and I think people understand that that's part of this, you know, and they they get that that not everything is available right now. And if you try to offer everything you did before, you probably are going to be very stretched and you're going to run some <laughs> tough labor and some tough uh, food costs because you're not selling as much, you know, and it's hard to keep low moving items around when you're not selling, no matter how much you love them. Right. Right. I mean, and, and, and if there's anything that we can learn from your menu, and I've taken a look at pre and post kind of COVID, if there is such a thing as post COVID, is that you slimmed it down and you've really dovetailed everything so that you get efficiency, you're getting velocity, and you're keeping prep quality high while keeping hours to a minimum. I thought it was really, really thoughtful. Um, and, you know, we talked about in our pre, Thank you. our pre game again, um, was that, you know, having different menus across multiple units created inefficiencies that you really didn't notice while we were going full speed ahead. And then when the world changed, it was like, well, we get a lot of efficiency across the board when we're able to um, kind of streamline and then offer maybe perhaps LTOs in different neighborhoods, limited time offers in different neighborhoods or specials to kind of yep. give that point of difference but at the same time creating efficiencies mm -hmm. and even so you could take cooks from different restaurants or, or servers from different restaurants and pool your resource. Um, it's really, really sharp. So real quick, I just want to mention, if you're just Absolutely. joining us, welcome to the broadcast. Uh, I'm here with John Haas of Matucci's restaurant in New Mexico. And we're talking about um, the importance of being heads up, being clear about your purpose and your why at the core of your business and how culture has carried John and his partners through all of this, and they're gonna come out stronger on the other side. So um, if you've got some questions, please comment uh, down into the bottom. I see that we've got a question from Marty. Uh, Marty says, did you do any additional marketing during COVID? And I don't know if he means additional as in volume or in different um, you know, phrasing, but can you talk to us a bit about the marketing as you went through all yep. this? Well, yeah, absolutely. We, we made one huge change and um, that was, we got really aggressive on social media. Um, it, it occurred, I mean, right when this was all happening, it was obvious that, you know, the, everything was getting canceled in the world um, and uh, people weren't going to work, you know, everyone was at home and it was like, well, what are, there are only, I mean, two ways to reach people. It's their TV and social media, right? And everyone's gonna be on their phones. Everyone's gonna be looking right. for, for something that's happening in this world, you know? So uh, we got very, very aggressive on social media. We're fortunate uh, to have a great social media manager, uh, Michael Lewis, and he, um, and, oh, cool. and that's also in very house fortunate that he used to be a, yeah, that's in house. And he, okay. he also used to be a National Geographic photographer. So it's like the perfect marriage, right? Wow. Um, <laughs> it worked out fantastic. And, uh, and, and he uh, just started with us about a year ago. Um, and he's, he's, he was, I mean, he was pivotal to, to us getting the content out and the, you know, the message out of everything that was happening and what we were doing and, and, and the story of, of what's happening behind the scenes and, and, you know, how we're changing. And I think that was, uh, that, that was hugely essential. So that was probably the biggest thing. Wow. That's great. And I, and, you know, marketing is one of those, you know, kind of intangibles where you don't get a direct ROI all the time. It's, it's kind of difficult to trace. So, mm -hmm. you know, 
one of my best practices from my past was to identify a certain percentage of sales that I was going to dedicate to marketing, be it 1% or 2% or 3% of gross, and just dedicate that to marketing and spend every penny of it. Because we know marketing works. Everybody knows what, what the Subray brand looks like and all the Chick-fil-A commercials and all of that stuff. Um, so we know marketing works, but when, when we're at the ground level, it, it's really hard to spend five, six, seven, a thousand dollars a month and not immediately see the seats mm -hmm. folder. Sometimes it's a, it's a longer trajectory strategy. So, I mean, kudos, you guys were poised for yeah. this to happen. It was almost like you were set up for this to happen and we just got the curveball to uh, enact it. So let's talk yeah. a little bit about food yeah. because yeah. I think that's what we're all really interested okay. in, even though I am a restaurant numbers nerd. Yeah. Um, what, what trends yeah. are you into now? What do you see coming? Like we've seen, you know, Brussels sprouts yeah. come and go. We've seen different mm -hmm. vegetables and cheeses and all these mm -hmm. different things come and go. What do you, what do you, what are you seeing right now? What's next? Yep. So I, I'll tell you, I hate to be kind of boring here. Cause I, um, I, um, I'm not a huge trend person, um, less than most probably. Um, I've always kind of gone by the whole theory, you know, trends come and go, but classics remain. Right. So I, yeah. um, so while we, we do, you know, we'll do spinoffs and we'll do, you know, some incorporate some trend stuff into what we're doing. Um, I would say I've been focusing more on the trend side of the purchasing and supply than I have been on the actual ingredient lately. Um, like for me, it's, you know, I think we saw a lot of uh, fluctuations in supply, uh, you know, supply chain during this time. Uh, we saw the strengths <laughs> and the weaknesses of it, you know, right. and, um, and I think it, you know, we, and, and I don't mean that in the, you know, the, the vendor situation, but the farmers, you no. know, like, and, and that's, um, it, 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 you know, we, in the, the meat processing and everything. So, uh, for me, you know, I've been, I've been working a lot on creating uh, on direct sourcing, um, with some stuff, you know, and also creating some proprietary products. Um, uh, because again, you know, you can't control every restaurant that opens in your market and, and how, you know, if they're better at you at some things or not, you know, but you, if you can create an experience that no one else can create, right. um, right. through, th through proprietary products, um, like there's a, a pork, uh, line that we're working on direct with the farmer. And also uh, a uh, our own uh, wine program uh, directly with a winemaker. Oh, that's um, fantastic! You know, and you know, and if if we can't, you know, we may you can't control everything, but what we can do is create something that no one else has. And I think that you know that gives you uh, some separation in, in 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 you know the rest of the restaurants. I'll agree a hundred percent with that. And what and and basically, it, it's super smart to not compete in the same value proposition as all of your competition, where it's like, okay, we do that too, and we do that too, and we do that too. Create a value proposition, like your point of difference in your pork or your wine, where your competitors can't get near that stuff because it's yours. You've made it your own, it's your point of difference. And that's um, from, to quote a famous book, that is the uh, blue ocean strategy versus the red ocean strategy. Blue ocean mm -hmm. strategy will be in the the notes after the call, it's I kind of dark out on books, yeah, okay. uh, like the like yeah, yeah. cynic. The starts with why, um, but Blue Ocean is creating yeah. a value proposition and that your your competitors can never emulate, and that allows you to access customers in a whole different way and provide an experience that's that can't be touched by your competitors. Again, it's smart. Um, Ab so how can you? That's actually. 
or I'm sorry, I, I thought we had a bad connection for a second. Um, how do you balance keeping things current no, and you're fresh? Fine. Like, so you've got all these new programs, but also efficient with the staff mm -hmm. um, because you, you've got great ideas, but then can you take us through how you train them, how you track your inventory and keep costs mm -hmm. in line? Because I know there's a lot of chefs that, that can create a lot of great things, but they don't make sense financially. And I know you've got that balance of, of uh, accounting. So can you tap into that for me? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, as far as the, uh, you know, the, the, how we balance current fresh, you know, like one, I would say one thing that was, that was different, but also, you know, was fresh was we, we worked on uh during no dining rooms, we did some meal kits, like uh, meal prep kits. Oh yeah. Um, and um, we put one of our chef partners, uh, uh, Corey Gray was actually the one that oversaw it. And you know, it, you'd get this box of like recipes, uh, there'd be a QR code that would have a video that would, you'd scan it to go to a video of him making it and talking you through it. Um, you'd get That's all really the ingredients, cool. you know, so that was an example of something that was kind of like fresh and different, you know? Um, yeah. but as far as, you know, the cost and inventory side, um, I think you kind of hit on it earlier, you know, it's streamlining, consolidating, cross utilizing, um, you know, all those things, um, and tracking, you know, we, you know, you still you're doing inventory every week. Uh, we we produce weekly PLs for all of our, our restaurants. We're fortunate to have a, a phenomenal CFO um, that uh, she she you know keeps all that stuff in line and and keeps uh, us chefs in line. That gets me so excited. I'm that. like, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we every week we're seeing our 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 money move, and you have to. You know, I mean, this is a this is such a, a fragile industry in the sense that you know your product can expire in, in days you know you're um you can invest time money everything into these products and you can lose them if you don't if you don't really keep track of them so um so that is that is a big piece um i will say on the training side i've never you know it's part of our culture it's it's who we are we do it you know and 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 it, but it's not a cost i really think of as as a cost it's kind of just the cost doing business to me you know, right. it's not like, well, we're only going to spend $200 on training, you know. Um, it's, you know, it's almost like a, it's like comps, you know, if you have an unhappy guest, you have to, you have to buy that, you know, like you have to fix it. It's going to cost you more not to. And I think training is the same way. You just, yeah. you don't ever question the cost of training as long as it's efficient, you know. Um, right. Now, if you're retaining like, you know, one out of every 20 employees, you maybe need to reassess your training program. <laughs> um, but, but. It costs, you know, it just, you, you got to spend the money on the training. Yeah. Well, you brought up kind of one, one super forward looking um, subject, which was you did a QR code and it took your customer to a video on how to make a dish. Like that's an interesting thought on, mm -hmm. you know, could we create that same sort of platform for our new employees where they could go through a series of videos mm -hmm. And it's proprietary, so you're not, you know, sharing it with the world, but you can take them through some of the basics mm -hmm. of kitchen setup, mise en place, um, prep and labeling and all these different things. So you're not saying having the trainer say the same message over and over and over and your trainer costs you how much and your trainee costs you how much. It's really, really sharp. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of the, the final piece I really wanted to hit on with you, because I think this is one of your uh, big points of pride. Um, which is in the opening, I had asked you about your company's philosophy on culture amongst the staff. Can you kind of unpack 
what culture means to you for the audience um, and how that's been an asset for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, you know, culture is, it's, it's a hard thing to create. It takes a lot of time. You know, that was something that, that Jeff and I have, have talked a lot about that. It's not, doesn't happen overnight. You know, it almost, uh, you have to, you have to put it into it and then you have to keep, you know, like breeding it. You just can't, it doesn't just stay there forever. You know, like you have to keep recreating it. Right. And, um, so one of our, one of our big things has always been, you know, we, we, we look at people over resumes, you know, like we want, we want personalities, we want character, um, you know, we want them to fit into the program more yeah. than we just want the very best resume that comes across our desk, you know, right? Um, because they have to fit with, you know, our, our program. And I think that's, uh, I think, you know, if you look at a sports team, the Patriots were the ones that really made that famous is, you know, they could plug almost any guy into that system and they were, they excelled. And it's because they fit the system. It's, they weren't trying to put, you know, a square peg into a round hole. And I, I think um, that's the thing that you have to know, you know, who excels in your in your company, why they excel. You know, maybe there's certain industries that translate really well um, into different jobs in, in our industry and right. connecting those dots. So when you right. see, you know, maybe you see someone that comes out of a, you know, I, I think one thing you see a lot is uh, retail people that come out of the retail clothing sector tend to be really on the sales side, tend to be really good in the host station. You know, I, I, it's been tried and true over and over and over. It seems to, to parallel. So I think knowing that, working with that and, and making sure that uh, you kind of hire around that, that's, that's a big one. Um, training and orientation, you know, we do a two to three week training orientation, including for servers, wow. a video that shows, uh, you know, steps of service. Um, right. And then probably the last thing is just rewarding patients, you know, I mean, we have 30 plus salaried people in our company and uh, only three of them started as a salaried person. Um, and every one um, of them has been with us over two years or all but one, I think, has been with us over two years. So it's, you know, creating that culture, bringing them up in that culture and giving them opportunity when they succeed in it, you know, and, and I think that's right. that's the connection. Right. Well, and and the and the culture, like you said, it's it's not just you set it up and then it keeps running. Like there's a maintenance piece to your culture, and and it's important to point out to our viewers that you know culture flows downward. And I, you know, from time to time, I'll meet with customers, our, our customers, and they say, you know, I I can't get my employees to do this or that, or I can't get them to care. Um, it's true to a point, but culture will flow downward. So, uh, you know, it's great. You set the example in your restaurants, not only from a creative standpoint, but from a positivity and energy standpoint, and also, you know, counting pennies along the way. So it's like you're covering the whole swath mm -hmm. of, of, of what we need right now. And I really appreciate your leadership. Um, so I'm just going to close this out. It looks like we've got about three minutes left. Um, thank you again folks out there for joining Shamrock Foods Kitchen Conversations. A special thank you to John Haas from uh, Matucci in New Mexico you. Uh, for joining. Thank you so much again. Um, folks, we hope you enjoyed the show. Keep the comments coming. I got one question about marketing from Marty out there. I don't know if anybody else has anything they want to throw at John here in the final couple minutes. Um, so They're letting me off easy, huh? I'm letting you, yeah, I guess I, we thought for sure that they were going to yeah. start asking you about, 
you know, some recipes or, you know, tell us the secret to your bread recipe. I thought for sure somebody was going to ask you <laughs> yeah. that, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's the 200-year-old uh, starter. <laughs> right? So, yeah, why wouldn't you ask for a little, <laughs> a little nibbit of that and go home and make your own? I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, um, yeah. good points today about how our listeners or viewers today can work on their culture um, hopefully some positive energy out into the world, um, keeping your head up and knowing that we're coming to a better place. Um, stay tuned. Uh, September 24th, which is a couple weeks from today, I'm going to be doing Kitchen Conversations with uh, John Lane from Oso Brewery here in Arizona. Uh, we're going to be talking about some different items. Um, stay tuned for that. It's going to be good. John, with that, I think we're going to let you off the hook. Have yourself a well, great thank week. thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It was a blast. Hey, you as well. Thanks again. Take care. It was. Bye, guys.